0: Well, I love the song uh, that we we've sang, "Oceans," as we closed this series, and, and uh, it's it's. I'm kind of weird. And you all know that. Say "Amen." That's the only time you say "Amen." Pastor's kind of weird, but if I have a song, if if I, <laughs> I found myself at times driving in my car with my radio on scan and never stopping it for you know a 45 minute drive. It just scanned from station, never hearing anything that I like. But when I do find a song that I like. I I tend to listen to them over and over and over and over again. I don't know if anybody else is like that, but, you know, I can repeat a song... Uh, you know, five, six, seven times, and and you know, there's been times where I've repeated them just over and over, where they were really touching me. And "Oceans" is one of those songs, and it's it's one of those songs. As I was hiking last summer, I was doing a lot of walking, uh, preparing for for Kilimanjaro. As I was hiking, I would listen to music and 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 just hike and meditate and do those kind of things. And and "Oceans" was one of those songs that was a repeating song, and, and that phrase, "Spirit, lead me." where my trust is without borders. It it just strikes me, just the imagery. I love that little phrase. And and I believe that phrase is is important because it it gives us a good understanding of trust. See, trust is is leading us somewhere. Uh, Trust is taking us somewhere. Trust took Abram to the promised land. And, And trust is taking us somewhere as well. See, God has a plan for all humankind. Do you believe that this morning? If so, say amen. Amen. God has a plan, Uh, and and he's had a plan from the beginning, and and we see this plan uh, laid out in the Bible. The the Bible gives us God's plan for humanity. It's God's story from Genesis to Revelation, and and trust places us in God's story. Now, Now, there's things that prevent us from trusting God and, and finding our life, our story and God's story. and, and we've been talking about those things and, and we probably could continue to talk about uh, how our trust is being impeded by uh, circumstances in life. but we're we're going conti- to close this series this week, but we, we, we saw with Abram that, that Abram was able to trust God even though he didn't know. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew writer said, Abram went not knowing. And, and in our life, many times, We have to have everything worked out and every detail worked out before we begin the process of trusting what God would have us do in our life and so you may be sitting out there today and 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 you don't need a preacher to tell you what what God wants you to do you know deep down where God is leading where God is calling maybe it's a a relationship that you need to heal maybe it's a a place you need to serve Uh, maybe it's something you need to give Uh, maybe it's somewhere you need to go maybe God's calling you to be a missionary or a preacher and you know it you don't need to be told anymore but but you're just still working out the details and You know, at some point, you just got to take that step of faith and begin to trust God and follow where he's leading. So we go without knowing. Trust means we don't have everything worked out. We, we talked about a Gideon, and, and Gideon is this guy that, that didn't have a real big self-esteem. He didn't think a lot about himself, but God thought a lot about him. And, and maybe you're sitting here, and, and, and there's things that you believe God would have you do, but you think, I'm just a nobody. I, I, God can't use me. Can, can I tell you, God specializes in using people that are ordinary and average. As a matter of fact, the Bible is not full of stories of the powerful and, and, and the, the richest people on the face of the earth. The Bible is full of stories of just ordinary people who decide to follow Jesus and they turn the world upside down. And so maybe you're seeing yourself as, as not able, but God sees you in a different way. Maybe you, you've been restricted by what others have said about you, and, and you've had a, a, a family member, a, a grandfather, a grandmother, a mother or father that, that told you it wouldn't amount to anything, but, but, but God has another plan in your life, and, and, and trust moves beyond those restrictions, and trust moves beyond the adversity that we find in all of our lives. You know this series is real personal to me <laughs> I don't I don't know about you folks, but for Terry and I this is a very personal series. Um, we've lived in the same home for 20 years and, and for us to to sell the home and, and it doesn't seem to be moving quick enough for us and uh, you know anybody ever sell a house and it's not moving quick enough for you yeah <laughs> And, and, you know, in our minds, we, 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 we've had those conversations. Well, you know, God called us here. He'll sell that house immediately. And, and sometimes it just doesn't work like that. And you've got to trust and you've got to continue. And, you know, there's, there's all the issues of, of, of changing churches as a, a... Imagine the issues of changing a church just as a member of a congregation. Re, re, imagine that as the pastor. <laughs> You know, it's frightening, it's scary. You know, there's, you know you're, you're moving where, from a place where you're, you're accepted to a place where you're having to renew uh, relationships and, 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 and have new relationships and, and have people begin to trust you as a, a leader. So and this is a very personal series for us. As a matter of fact, last night when we, we lay down and we, we were talking, about trust how do we you know what how do i know i'm trusting what do i do Uh, so so this is personal you know and and there's times even in my life i'm going to be real open and honest with you there's times in your pastor's life where it's difficult to trust and you wonder well what you know god what are you doing and you can you answer this question can you sell And, and and let's pray right now god just sell that house so your pastor will trust more okay You know, trust you know it, it's the very central feature of what it means to be a follower of Jesus what it means to be a Christian to to be someone who seeks after God this ideal of relying and trusting God see trust moves us beyond our fear of the unknown it moves us beyond our self-esteem issues it moves us past adversity it moves us past failure it moves us past what others say says and in many ways when we focus on these things we're focusing on ourself and it's easy to focus on ourselves. but but trust moves us beyond ourselves To to trust, somehow, I have to get outside of myself and begin to trust someone else, to trust God. It's not my own strength, it's not my own will, and and it's just this move beyond and outside myself. And we see this even in our personal relationships. When you get married, at least this is the way it should be, when you get married, it's not just you anymore, but it's you and that spouse, then you have kids, and it's not just you and the spouse anymore, but it's, but it's you and the kids. And, and, and so every relationship, a friendship, to, to be a true friend, somehow you have to move outside of yourself and your own needs and, and your own self-reliance. And, and, and we see this in every relationship, even like a, an employee relationship. If you're an employer and you have an employee And you you begin to use them, you've got to move beyond your own power. You've got to move outside yourself and begin to trust them. And last week we just touched on this. We we talked about trusting each other. And and I know there's scripture that says, trust only God. And we don't place our faith in others. We don't, you know, our 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 passion for God or faith in God is is not based on anyone else your your faith in God is not based on your pastor or anybody else but there's got to be a level of trust in the church for for this to work for us to to do all that God has in mind for this group of people for this community of believers we have to trust each other and I was reading in first corinthians this week in chapter 13 it talks about love you know the great love chapter and thirteen seven says love bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things you know probably the center of that chapter is enduring and believing and hoping and 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 bearing all things see when we, when we really and see i believe we're called to love each other in the church amen, amen. We're, we're called to love one another and 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 and, and I think part of that is a level of trust with one another, to rely upon one another. And, and sometimes that's difficult to do because sometimes in the church, this is the place where we've been felled the most because the relationships are so deep. Not that the person is bad in the church, and, and you got to be careful when you're a pastor, when you're talking about you know, failures and people think, is he pointing at me, <laughs> I guess, okay, so I'm not pointing at anybody. You know, when we've been hurt in the church, the the hurt's deeper because the relationship is closer. But God is calling us to, to trust Him and to trust and love one another. You know, moving beyond ourselves is... Is crucial, it's central if we want to experience the fullness of God. I, I, I wrote this down, when self is the prio- priority, God's story becomes an afterthought in our life. When the only thing that matters is me, then I really can't latch on to what God is trying to do. When the focus is what we want as a church, then we miss what God is trying to do. In this place, when our focus is self, we miss God's great story. We see we've got to have trust that moves us beyond ourselves to truly see what God wants to do. Now, this morning I was walking in to the church, and you know, I I park out by the bus, it's not because I have to, but it's just force of habit. I've always just parked at the farthest extremes of the parking lot just for whatever reason I don't know why I've done that I I guess I'm afraid you'll park next to my car and scratch my pretty green paint paint job on on the truck Uh, but but as I was walking to the building you know it just hit me once again what an awesome place this is but but the image that came to my mind was sleeping giant (laughs) you ever heard that phrase you know you don't wake a sleeping giant you know or or someone's a sleeping giant you know that all the resources all the potential of what god can do is in this place i really believe god wants to do something amazing here you have this awesome past but I believe as awesome as your past is, there's this incredible future that God has in mind. And it's not found in trusting me, but it's found in trusting him. And that somehow, if we can just come together and love and trust each other and, and, and believe that God can and we can continue to follow him and we can begin to, to do those things we need to do to reach lost people, that's why we're here, right? God's going to do amazing things here. As I walked to the church, once again, it just kind of hit me. The privilege of being part of that. To be part of the move of God. But to be part of the move of God, I've got to move outside myself. And the more I move outside of myself and my own needs and my own desires, my own wants and, and, and everything that I think and just begin to try to seize on to what God thinks and what God's trying to do, the more I'm able to do that, the more I experience this awesome experience of finding myself in the midst of God's story. I think the story of Acts illustrates this. You know, Acts is this great history of the early church and we'll be i'm just going to ask you to follow because there's i'm going to cover a lot of scriptures and i'm not going to read it word for word it's in acts chapter 10 it's the story of peter and cornelius and just kind of follow along you'll kind of see where i am cornelius is this god-fearing a Gentile. He's, a, he's a Roman centurion, which, which means that he's a, a soldier. And he's this God-fearing guy that's, that, that gives alms, he gives money to the Jewish people. And so he's well thought of by those who live in Israel, but he's still a Gentile. He's still untouchable. He's still not kosher. He's still not someone that a good Jewish boy would spend the afternoon with in their house. He's he's someone that is outside the touchable to the Jewish people. What well, in the afternoon one day he's he, he has this vision and this this angel comes to to him and he says, There's there's this guy Peter and he's in Joppa. And Peter, of course, is the great apostle, the the great disciple, the the one that walked on water, then sank under the water, the the, the one who 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 um betrayed Jesus, who denied Jesus, but then Jesus restored that we talked about last week. He said, There's this guy Peter and I want you to send to Joppa and bring him back because he has a message for you your prayers your alms they've made a difference and, and so Cornelius sends a, a group to to Peter and Joppa and it says while they were arriving in the town the next day that Peter was up on the roof he was praying and it was noon and he became hungry okay if I can relate to that right and <laughs> Yeah, you know, if you don't think God has a sense of humor, you need to read the Bible more. Think about this: Peter is on the roof and he's hungry, and God gave him a dream about food. <laughs> Anybody ever dream about food?
1: Yeah, I say
0: Amen. Yeah, I thought you guys were going to start running and shouting. One time I fasted for like uh, I don't know three or four days. It's was, it was a longer fast, and I was dreaming about Little Debbie Swiss cake rolls. My boss said, what were you doing? Why were you dreaming about a steak or something in your dream? But anyhow, Peter's dreaming, and it's, it's noon, and, and, and he sees the sky unfold like a sheet, and all of these non-kosher foods come down. You know, the pulled pork sandwiches and the, uh, the seafood buffet from Red Lobster, and it all comes down, and, and God says, eat. And Peter says, you know, Lord, I've never eating anything unclean and God says don't call anything unclean that I've made clean and this dream it, it, it happens three times and, and and so Peter wakes up and and he, he's thinking about the dream and and the spirit says hey there's three guys downstairs to see you and he goes downstairs, and sure enough, it's this, this group from Cornelius that's come to get Peter. And, and so they, they, they spend the night, and then the next morning they go and see Cornelius. And, and, and when Peter walks into Cornelius' house, Cornelius bows down and begins to worship Peter. Peter says, you know, get up. I'm, I'm just a man. You know, I, I'm not God. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just an ordinary guy. Get up. And Peter says, you know, it's really, and I I think it's interesting that Peter says this to him, because, you know, it's really not kosher. It's not lawful. It's not religiously lawful for me to even be in your house. You're a Gentile, and I'm a Jew. God told me to come here, but I'm really not supposed to be here. And so then Cornelius tells Peter about the dream, and, And Peter says, well, you know, your prayer's been heard, Cornelius." And then Peter says in verses 34 and 35, I certainly understand now that God is not the one to show partiality. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does right is welcome to him. Peter has this great paradigm shift in his mind he has this great awakening God is not just for the Jews he's for everyone and so Peter preaches the gospel to to Cornelius and his household has a revival and they're saved and they're baptized it's awesome uh, revival in Cornelius's house but In chapter 11, it says the Jerusalem church heard about this. (laughs) And and, and they call Peter in on the carpet. As a matter of fact, verse 2 says, they took issue with Peter. They took issue with Peter because of this revival in this Gentile's house. And and so Peter is standing before them, and and Peter just tells the story. You know, know, I had a vision, you know, God said this, and then Cornelius and his guys, and I preached the gospel, and they were saved, just like we were saved, just like the Spirit fell on us, the Spirit fell on them. And, and, And the Jerusalem church, in verse 18 of chapter 11, says this, when they heard this, they quieted down, and, and I think that's striking. I don't think I've ever saw this scripture before in the same way. This means that the whole time Peter's in there, they're giving him grief. They shut up. Oh, I can't say that, can I? They quieted down and glorified God. Say, boy, there's a whole other sermon there, isn't there? <laughs> you know, maybe I should should have called this sermon, Shut Up and Praise God. They quieted down and they glorified God saying, well then God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. You know, it's all fine, it's good and, and we're excited about God's continuing move but, but there's something that's troubling in this story as well. We're nearly halfway through the book of Acts and Peter is just now understanding that Jesus has come not just for the Israelites, but for Gentiles. We're in chapter 11 of Acts, and the Jewish church, the, the, the first church of Jerusalem, is now just understanding it's not just about them, but God has come for all of the lost, even the Gentiles. They're now just getting it. You know Jesus had been clear that that the call was global. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen through twenty. Therefore. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The the great commission is this commission to every nation. In in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. In other words, you're you're going to reach the whole world with this gospel. Salvation is for everyone. And and you see seeds of this throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. You, You see, even in the call of Abram, Abram has been called to be a blessing to all nations. But it's chapter 10. And they're just now starting to get it. You know what I like about this passage it tells me that God can even use slow learners now I'm a slow learner sometimes sometimes I need some extra prods and sometimes God has to tell me over and over and so this passage gives me hope that even a slow learner like the Jerusalem church, even a slow learner like Peter, even a slow learner like me, and a poor speaker, I can't say a slow learner like me, God can use. But why did it take them so long? See, I think Peter trusted God, but he did not see what God was trying to do. You know, I, I I don't think there's I I don't doubt Peter's salvation and sanctification and spirituality. I don't doubt that that Peter was trusting God, but for some reason Peter wasn't seeing what God was trying to do. And so the question is, why had Peter not seen what God was trying to do? What what, what was blinding him? What was keeping him from fully trusting him? I think there's a lot of things we could point to. I I, I think there's There's paradigm shifts that had to occur in Peter's mind. I I think there's there's a level of busyness with the early church. Can can you imagine this? This this is the early church and all that they're doing. The the, the structure, you know, with you know they're they're organizing with deacons and they're you know there's organization going on here. We don't talk about it a lot, but there's a lot of things. There's a lot of moving parts, and you know Peter's this great leader, and you you know I think in the busyness of it that sometimes he just. Didn't see what God was trying to do. I, I think that, that there was a fear of what others would say. A lot of things going on, but I think it's more important what keeps us from seeing what God is trying to do. Because sometimes we miss it, right? Sometimes I miss it. You know, God's moving and he's calling and, and, and I get caught up in other things and it's... It, it's Yesterday, I, I'm I'm training for a half marathon, and I'm going to die when I try to do this thing. I'll just tell you that right now. Uh, so September you uh, thir- no September 12th. I know what September 14th will be my, my last sermon here because on the 20th I'm going to die in Dayton. I just know it. <laughs> and so I'm going to have to run walk this thing because I'm not really prepared. But yesterday I I jumped in the middle of my Hal Higdon's. Marathon training, and I had to do eight miles. Eight miles, okay, let's, you know, I can do eight miles, run, walk. And so I um, got up, I was busy, there was a lot of things to do, and, and, and you know, I was kind of distracted, and, and, but I had to get this done, and so, you know, I'm focused on that, and, and so I started to do this run, walk, and, and I got the first four miles done at about the pace that I'm trying to get, and then the last four miles, I thought I was going to die. And I got home, and, and then it hit me. In my business and my destruction, I, I hadn't drank, I hadn't ate. <laughs> That's really stupid. And, and you know, I'm just like laying on the floor going, Terry, get me a glass of water, please. And she's debating, you know, she's going, well, there's a pretty good insurance policy on him if I just leave. <laughs> You know, we get distracted and, and miss essential things. And I think even in the church, we can get distracted and miss the essential things that God's trying to do. And, and I think Peter had gotten distracted. And I, I think sometimes we do. Today, though, I want you to say three things that I believe impedes us and prevents us from seeing God's move. I, I think we fail to see God's move when our focus is on our own desires. When all that matters is what I want, then we miss what God's trying to do. And can I tell you, if we get all that we want, it'll be less than what God's trying to do. You know, so, you know, the, the teacher in the Sunday school class says something that, that m- makes you uncomfortable, so you stop going to Sunday school. Or, or the preacher starts talking about giving, and it offends you, and, and you take a step back. Or, or the songs are not my favorite. So I don't sing. You know, I, I have preferences in music as well. But can I be honest with you? I worship to whatever we're singing. Because it's not about the song. It's about who I'm singing to. You know, I've been in traditional services. I've been in very contemporary services. I've been in hardcore rock concerts. Concerts. Where the kids are worshipping in that way and I don't care as long as God is glorified And when it, when it becomes about us and our preferences we, we miss what God wants to do I think we fail to see God's move when we limit God to what he, we have experienced in the past when, when, when we limit God to the way things have been done in the past you know, God never moved in the same way throughout history. I saw Stephen Manley, and he talked about um, God speaking through a burning bush. And, and, and I've laughed about this since I said it. Stephen Manley said, you know, if I was God, I'd have used that burning bush every time because that's cool. <laughs> you know, he used it once. You know, God moves and speaks in all sorts of ways, in all sorts of cultures. You know, he, he even used a donkey. One of my favorite stories, by the way. We miss God's move when the structure of the past is more important than the message. Folks, the structure of the church is not more important than the message that we're trying to give. It's not about Sunday school or small groups, it's about the message. It's not about hymns or choruses. It's about the message. You know, it's not about pianos or organs or guitars or drums or basses. It's about the message. It's not about pews or chairs. It's not about the preacher in collars, robes, suits, or ties. It's not about structures. It's about the message. I think Peter was so caught up in the structure of the past that he failed to be part of what God was doing. Last thing, I think we fail to see God's move when we limit God's move to our abilities. <laughs> I think Peter could reasonably say, you know, I can't reach the Gentiles. Who am I? You know, I'm not even allowed to go in their house. And I think sometimes we limit God because our, our vision is so small and God's vision is so big. And, and, and God's saying, I don't need you to have a big vision. I just need you to have a big trust. I mean, you just let go of yourself, and, and when I say go, go, and, and let the vision take care of itself. So what is God's move? You know, I think it took Peter a little while to get this. But I think 2 Peter 3.9, and this is one of the letters that Peter wrote later in life, does get this. He says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. (laughs) Can you imagine the paradigm shift that went on in Peter's life, that went from this Jewish-centric gospel to God's not slow He wants everyone to be saved. See, that's God's desire. God's desire is that is for people to be saved. So what's our goal what's what's our occupation if if God's goal if God's main move is for people to be saved our main point our main occupation is equipping the saints for acts of service not just for those that are in this church but equipping the saints so that we can reach the lost that's why we're here This church exists so that you can be built up, so that you can be encouraged, so that you can be sent out. Thank you. (laughs) She knows good preaching. But we get caught up in ourselves. And we get caught up in busyness. And we get caught up in structures, and we get caught up in preferences. and, And I thought this is just as we bring this to a close are we engaged in busyness or our father's business this is a busy busy church we have a lot of activities and 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 folks i'm not against activities that's fine but, but i think we have to ask the real question is our busyness keeping us from reaching lost men and women there's people all over this community there's people in our neighborhoods that we're so busy at times with ourselves that I wonder if we're really reaching I wonder if we even have time to reach now I know and I don't watch it what's the show King of the Hill that's a cartoon anybody ever see King of the Hill We'll pray about you later okay <laughs> in King of the Hill uh, there's there's a and I <laughs> The clip's really funny. Uh, You 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 ought to look it up on YouTube or something. YouTube's on the internet, for those of you who don't know. But uh, In King of the Hill, Hank and his wife get offended at their church. Somebody's sitting in their seats. And so they leave their church because somebody's sitting in their church. I know nothing like that has ever happened here, praise the Lord. Uh, so so Hank and his family leave the church and they're looking for another church and, and the and the, the episode is all about their different experiences. They go to a to a real charismatic church and they you know they're like freaked out and they leave and then they go to a real contemporary church and they only go through the doors. <laughs> but they end up at megachurch. And and megachurch keeps them so busy that Hank's no longer happy because he can't drink beer on the corner with his friends, okay? You know, there's woodworking, and there's this, and there's that, and it keeps him out of the community. And, you know, they're not trying to give a lesson, but there is a lesson there. How can you be salt and light when you're always in the shaker, when you're always under the shade? You know, how can we reach lost people when we don't even know any lost people? How can you make an influence on a 20-year-old if you don't even know any 20-year-olds? See, see the problem is most of us end up in the Christian bubble. You know, we're just in our own little bubble and, and all of our friends and folks, I'm preaching to myself here. You know, all I do, I don't even have a, I don't even have a secular work life anymore. <laughs> you know, all I do is church. You know, it's all church, church, church. That's all I do. <laughs> you know, I'm here, you know, 30, 45 hours a week, whatever the week holds, you know, and um, this is it. But the problem is, most of you are like, a lot like me. You have work acquaintances, but not really work friends. There's nobody that you know that you're witnessing to, that you're reaching. We're busy, but I'm not sure if we're about the Father's business. See, Jesus said, go and make disciples. That's the occupation. That's the job. That's the call. Go and preach the gospel. Go and be salt. Go and be light. Stand with me if you will. Now, don't mishear me. Pastor's not saying take Sunday night off so you can go drink beer with your friends on the corner, okay? (laughs) That was probably a bad illustration, Steve. Maybe I'll strike that for second service. I don't know. But what I am saying is this. The main thing why we exist as a church is not activities is not to fill your calendar why we exist as a church is to reach lost men and women boys and girls with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they might be saved and have eternal life that's why we're here Lord right now I pray that you'll um, help us to have the right focus I'll confess here, Lord, I don't have all the answers. I don't know exactly what each person should do and and, and Lord, I, I wish I could give like real practical steps, five steps to win your neighbor for Christ, but I can't. But I do know this that in our culture, without a relationship with someone, it's very difficult for them to understand their need for a savior. and and the precious gift of Jesus Christ that we possess. So I pray right now, Lord, that you'll open our eyes to your move, that our focus won't be our own needs and our own desire and our own busyness and our own structures, Lord, but we'll make the main thing the main thing, which is the message of Jesus coming, dying, being raised to life, bringing salvation to all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless.